listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. And amen. You guys can have a seat. Again, I'm so excited to jump into week two of our series, Liar, Liar. I got to confess to you, um, I am no stranger to the concept of Netflix binging. Uh, I, I do it. Any Netflix bingers in here? Y'all are lying. <laughs> so one of the one of the most recent ones, I mean, there's there's shows like Stranger Things. I have to binge that, of course. But one of my most recent ones is I, I'm, I'm doing good now, but I've been kind of sick the past week or so, recovering well, doing great. But anyway, I found this is super nerdy. All right, super nerdy. Um, it was like this World War II documentary. And they just lulled me in. You know, they kept advertising it right when you open the screen. And so, so I went to it. Any of you like kind of World War II history buff people? Anybody a little bit about? Okay, good. We got a few of you. And so I actually shared this story about two years ago, and I thought it really helped frame what we're going to say tonight. It's just really short. I don't know if any of you know this, but after World War II, or really after the Japanese surrender to the United States, it's very interesting. Um, they had what you can kind of call a um, and a samurai mindset. A lot of the political movement that really stirred up Japan at that time, that really stirred them up to go to war, to, to face the enemy, um, was this political party specifically in Japan that was trying to restore this kind of warrior mindset to the country and especially to those soldiers. And so whenever they had actually surrendered Japan as a country, there were a few soldiers who actually uh, weren't all on the same page. There were probably more than two, but there were specifically two that they wrote a story about that 20, even 29 years after the Japanese surrendered, they were still fighting the war. They had fled to the Philippines. One of the specific guys fled to the Philippines and for 29 years was actively living as if they were still at war. Is that not insane? 29 years. Years. Like, I'm barely 30. That would be like all of my life. He was essentially living a lie. The war was over. There was nothing left to do. And you can, you can imagine, there's many aspects of this you can look at. But he kind of, he wasted his life living that lie, right? Believing that lie. It wasn't until someone actually came to him and had to tell him, hey, it's, it's over. And, and he couldn't believe it. I'm sure I can give you more information if you're interested in that story. But the reason I share that is one aspect, maybe it's a little bit dramatic, but, but one part of believing lies of looking at the series is they can also be very, very wasteful to your life. You can believe something that's not true, and, and it can actually, for, for all of us, it can lead you to make decisions or just have a mindset that would be as wasteful or as kind of useless to yourself and anyone else and, and even to God as that soldier who was pretending like, or he really thought that he was still fighting the war for the Japanese army. Even 29 years later, the Korean War and the Vietnamese War had mostly all been fought. Is that not crazy? And so here's tonight's slide that we're gonna look at. Tonight's slide is this. God will not give me more than I can handle. By raise of hand, who all heard that? God will not give me more than I can handle. All of us should hear that. All of us should have heard that. Now, I'm going to tell more about this later, but I actually brought this stool up this week because 
I am super, super tired. And one thing that I cannot handle tonight is standing the whole time. Again, I'll tell you more about it later. But that's why I'm sitting up here. God will not give me more than I can handle. Now, it's going to take maybe a little bit for you to get on board with that. Like, hmm, who's this guy? Maybe it's your first time. I think believing this lie looks like this. When you're, when you're killing it, right? When life is going great, like grades are there, job is there, you're like dating one, someone or it's, it's going towards your, your dream of engagement and marriage or whatever, you fill in the blank, everything's going great. Man, you're killing it. And when, you, uh, when God will not give you more than you can handle and things are going this way, you kind of give God a nod and you're like, you're so wise. You, you know how strong I am. I can take, it can take so much. Thank you, God. I'm just, I'm doing so great. Thank you for not giving me more than I can handle, but dang, I can handle a lot. So thank you for, for just knowing how awesome I am, right? That's kind of what the sentiment is. But when real life happens, right? When anything comes in and messes that up, what begins to happen? What's going on? If God won't give you more than you can handle, but you have more than you can handle, oh, is there something wrong with me? Right? If that's true and you have more than you can handle, there's got to be something wrong with you and me, right? Or, what's even worse, maybe if we believe this lie, there's something wrong with God. God, you're not supposed to give me more than I can handle, right? And so all of us have been in this situation. I don't think this sermon is incredibly different from last week, but I think there are some key differences. And basically what we touched on last week and what we're gonna touch on this week really amounts to how do we handle difficulty? How do we handle things when life is more literally than we can handle, okay? And so what I wanna do, I need y'all's involvement in this. I need y'all to kind of bring some energy for me tonight. I, I want us to look at some likely culprits in the Bible who probably experienced the reality that you will get more in life than you can handle. Is that fair? Do y'all think that's fair? If we're, gonna, if we're gonna look and we're gonna try to say, hey, that's actually a lie, let's look at scripture. Now, what I'm gonna do is there's actually a slide. It has a lot of people's names behind me. Y'all, y'all, will y'all give me a thumbs up when you see it? Don't turn around. It has a lot of people's names on it. There you go, you got it? Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I wanna kind of read a little bit about these different people. And then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, is that true? I'm gonna ask, you know, it sure seems like um, Satan may try to say, no, God's not gonna give me more than you can handle. And I'm gonna ask, is that true? And I need you to say, nah, he lying. Y'all get it? All right, so we're, we're gonna try a little bit. I need y'all, I know, I know this is weird, right? But we're just gonna be weird tonight. So I wanna practice a little bit. So I'm just gonna ask, is that true? And I just need you to say, nah, he lying, all right? And I want you to put some soul into it, okay? Like if you come out of your chair just really emphasizing this, that's okay. This is a safe space, all right? So is that true? Ah, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I'm gonna give over here. I didn't hear much from this section over here. All right, I want you to put your soul into it. Some of you even sing. I need, I need it to be louder, okay? Is that true? That's good. I like it. Okay, y'all are with me. Y'all with me. Okay, cool. And so first, let's like, let's look at the life of Noah, okay? This is actually, this is a tragedy, but 
I'm gonna maybe make a twist to make it a comedy, but you should know it's, it's probably more of a tragedy. But so, so Noah is told by God, hey, I'm gonna wipe out the, basically the whole human race, save a remnant, basically you, your wife, sons, and, and, and their wives. And um, you're gonna build this massive boat called an ark. It's about the length of two football fields. He didn't say two football fields, all right? But I wasn't invented yet, which is a shame. But anyway, okay. So then surviving the ensuing flood, right? Rain, 40 days, 40 nights, much longer than that. Looking months and months and months and months and months of waiting for the water to reside, all of that. He's supposed to survive all of that, right? A global flooding. And then like, like Noah's, he's old guys. And then if you really, you do the math, you figure it out. Him and just a few others are responsible for repopulating the earth, okay? And so I don't want you to think, overthink it, but he's an old man like, that seems like a pretty impossible situation, right? Is that fair? So Satan may have been tempted, or Satan, he is a tempter to come up to Noah and say, oh, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Is that true? All right, we're gonna try it again. Y'all aren't ready, I talked too long, I left y'all. Is that true? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love it, Gary. He came out of his chair. That's what I'm talking about. All right, let's move on. Abraham and Sarah. Y'all know Abraham and Sarah? The OG names, Abram and Sarai, right? Just, just say it. If you don't know how to pronounce it, just say it. I think it's Sarai. I'm going to go with that. They were, they were told, look, Abraham or Abram, he was 75 years old. Like, listen, like, it's great that grandparents live way beyond that. But when I'm 75, I'm going to be like, I'm old. All right, I just, I'm old at 75. So let's just say he's old. God tells him, hey, leave the place that you've grown up your entire life, that you've lived your entire life. Walk with your old raggedy bones and go to a land that I promised you. One, what? You want me to travel at this age? And then him and his wife are told he's over 100 years old. Sarah is over 90 years old that they're gonna have a baby after years of being barren, not able to have a baby. That sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Like they've been trying to have babies. They, they gave up. They, they had a child through a concubine. They kind of gave up, but still not a legitimate child. Sure enough, God blesses them. Isaac is born, the child of the promise. It all happens. But, but if you look at the situation, 100 years old, still hasn't had a kid. God says, you're gonna have a kid. 75 years old, hey, take your old self, walk over there, right? That seems a little unlikely. That seems a little hard to handle. So Satan may say, no, it's okay. God won't give you more than you can handle. Is that true? Y'all are catching on. I love it. All right. Let's look at Queen Esther. I, I'll talk about Moses, but let's move on to Esther. I like Esther. So Esther was in a situation where she had to risk her own life before the king at that time to rescue the people of Israel, the Jews, from a plot to actually eradicate the Jews. Think ancient sort of Holocaust type, evil level type plan. Here's the thing, in order to stop this, she had to go into the king unannounced and if you did that, that was supposed to be under the king's law and decree instant death. And so what did she do? She went in anyway. She went in, made her plea, and you know what happened? All the Jews were saved and the guy that was actually plotting ends up he did, right, he did, okay? If you don't know the story, just trust me, that's how it went. All right, so here's a woman in ancient, in a Middle Eastern times, like a woman, if you know history, not very highly regarded, not especially given the respect that they should be given, all right? And going before a king with any sort of boldness as a woman, like, eh, that's a bad idea. Anyway, but especially during that time, 
risking her life because she felt led for God to do that. Now, does that seem like maybe a little more than you and I could handle? Guys, you couldn't be queen, so you should all say yes, all right? And so, so if Satan says to Esther, hey, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Is, is that true? I appreciate it, thank you. David versus Goliath, that more than you can handle? Is that true? Is that true? Mary giving birth to Jesus, the Son of God, which, by the way, was before her and Joseph were actually married. So both of them, along with trying to take care of the Son of God, rumors stirring about the illegitimate birth and relationship that they had, Joseph trying to quietly divorce her and being told by, by God through, through messengers, hey, it's gonna be all right. Mary scared for her life because she knew the law. She probably knew of people who, because of how they got pregnant out of wedlock, were actually stoned to death or killed in some way. And their whole life, as they were raising Jesus and going through their life, they would have to defend Jesus or have to exp or talk for him on his behalf about how, no, this was a legitimate birth. This birth is from God. Now, I, I sound crazy even trying to explain this, right? No, Satan's like, don't worry, Mary, you'll be fine. This is, this is normal. It's not more than you can handle. Is that true? Okay. Y'all get really good at this. I should do something like this every week. This is fun. If y'all say, no, I'm lying, then we're in trouble, all right? So anyway, Jesus' closest disciples. Let's look at them. Jesus' closest disciples. Peter, James, and John. He wants to use them to change the world. Now, now here's the thing. They were fishermen. You're like, okay, underdogs. They were bad fishermen too. Like they couldn't even be proud of that. How many times are you reading this like Jesus is having to put fish in their net? All right, like they obviously were not even good at what they were originally doing before Jesus called them. Peter was like, I will never deny you. And like three hours later, I denied you three times. I'm so sorry, right? Like according to worldly standards, if you're just measuring this, failures, like terrible like they would get fired as pastors today. They'd be like, they just ain't cutting it, all right? <laughs> but God would want to and use them, and he did ultimately use them to turn the world upside down. Use people that were fishermen who couldn't even fish to take the gospel to all nations. But if you're looking at their situation and their own abilities with your own eyes, and Satan were to say, hey, don't worry. Don't worry, you, you, you got this. Believe in yourself. Is that the truth? Is that the truth? There you go. I almost lost y'all for a minute. This is getting more at home. We're, getting, we're hitting home. Men like Augustine, who defended our faith from core heresies that could have destroyed the entire Christian faith, defending the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, defending against the doctrine called Pelagianism, basically teaches that we're not born in sin, that we can work up and we, we can actually be righteous apart from the righteousness of Christ. Nuh-uh, that's no good, that's no bueno. Men like Martin Luther who stood up to a corrupt church who were endorsing people to literally pay goods for the removal of their sins as if man could remove sins and not God and God alone, distorting the very gospel for which Christ died. Men like William Tyndale, who risked his own life to translate a Bible into English for the very first time from the original Greek and Hebrew, and who would eventually for sure lose his life 
for doing so and calling out corruption all around him by people who taught that only the official religious people can teach and read the Bible. He gave the Bible into the language of the masses and risked his life doing so. What about Lottie Moon, who's 32 years old with a master's degree, a steady job, turned down a marriage proposal? Like, girls, can you imagine your, your dream man who proposes? And you're like, ah, actually, no, never mind. All right, she did it. Here's why. She left her job in the umbrella, umbrella, <laughs> umbrella of a wealthy Southern family. Turned down that dream man to go where? Bahamas? Nope. Hawaii? Nope. China. She didn't know the language. She didn't know the culture. And she lived in a place where people were scared of her because she was a foreigner and largely, by and large, rejected her message because she was a foreigner and she looked different from them. But she would stay for the rest of her life and faithfully tell people about Jesus and is known today. That's why we have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering as one of the pioneers of world missions, specifically in China. All those people I just listed, Satan whispers in their ear in the moment between where they are and where they think they should be and says, you got this. God won't give you more than you can handle. Look at all your ability and strength and power. You can do this. Is he telling the truth? You're lying. You're right. I was thinking about being in college a lot of your lives. This is really, this is a really cool thing. Um, what I love about the journey is, is, is some of you, man, you went straight into the workforce. Some of you doing two-year degrees. Some of you doing four-year traditional whatever. But all around the room, we have young adults, college and young adults. And you're in seasons where you're either taking classes full-time, you're working full-time. Some of you are doing both. And you're in this season where everyone expects you to make the best grades and know what you're supposed to do with your life. Everyone's always asking, what are you gonna do? What are you, what are you gonna do? And it's super stressful. It can be super stressful. And, and the hard part about this, and you know this, if you've been following Jesus, you've been coming to church, and you know what this whole thing's about, that's actually just a little part of what your grand life purpose is, right? Like, you're really, your grand life purpose is to glorify God, right? To, to follow Jesus, to be reading his word and, and praying and having a relationship with him and living that every single time your heart beats, that there would be a correlation between you breathing and your heart beating to people knowing Jesus and seeing Christ in you, right? That's kind of a paraphrase, but you see all that and you see the task that, that, that Jesus has, has given you to live such a life with all of your responsibilities. And I was, just, I was just thinking about being in college. I was thinking about being in the seasonal life that you're in. And I want, I want to lift a, a burden from you. I truly feel like looking at a lot of your lives in this room, it seems like a lot of you have more on your plate than you can handle. And that's okay. That's okay. It's good to, it's good to acknowledge that. And so... We've really hit home, right? We've talked about ourselves now, right? So we're still gonna do it. Satan comes into your ear. God won't give you more than you can handle. You, you, you got this. Is he telling the truth? Nah, he lying. <laughs> Back to the reason I'm sitting down. <laughs> I was looking, this 
this past week, doing, doing fine now. I don't, what I say is, is outrageous, but like this past week, um, got COVID, did the quarantine thing. That wasn't too bad. I was fine. Um, but Eleanor, my little daughter, also got sick with a virus. We kind of figured out what it, what it was. It wasn't COVID. Basically, the symptoms that she had from Thursday to even last night, she hasn't, she hasn't been sleeping at night, hardly at all. Like, she was up until this morning at 4.30, 4.30 in the morning. Like, she didn't sleep all night. Caitlin and I taking, taking shifts and things like trying, trying to make it happen. And in the past month, like, if you go backwards a month, both of mine and Caitlin's cars have broken down. Like, not starting, have to take them into the shop. My dad has been hospitalized for COVID. He's fine now, but he had COVID pneumonia. He was, he was, we thought he was going to have to be on a ventilator. Like, that was stressful. I left here right before the beginning of the semester to go be with my family, take care of them, all that stuff like that. My grandma just yesterday had heart surgery. Uh, they didn't know if she was even gonna be able to really get through a lot of that procedure. Like, like crazy stuff. And all this, the semester has started. We're kicking off home groups. I want to lead you guys well and love you guys well. Wanted to be meeting up with you, especially those that's your first time entering the door, like all that stuff like that. I, I got to tell you, there's probably some more I could talk about. And, and so you have all your stuff too. But I want to admit to you, if what I have isn't more than I can handle, I'm in trouble, right? Because I'm sitting there, I'm looking at everything on, on my plate as a 30-year-old adult with a, with a, with a family and uh, a calling to be a, a pastor and everything going on. And I'm, I'm looking at where I am and I'm like, okay, God, if you won't give me more than you can handle, um, we're gonna have to go back about a thousand miles to the line where it really was more than I can handle. We're gonna have to go back there because like, I need your help. Like, this is hard. Are y'all tracking with me? Okay. Again, I didn't tell you that. Oh, look, look how hard my life is. No, no, no. That's, that's a pretty common thing <laughs> to happen. I talk with other parents. Yeah, we've been through that. All right. So what's my point? Satan whispers into my ear, 3.30 in the morning, this morning, let's just say this morning. Love my little girl. I can't, can't get her to sleep. She's kind of not feeling well. He says, Cole, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. Is that the truth? Is that the truth? It's a quote from Shane Pruitt. I want to read it to you. He says this. If you think about it, all of life is more than we can handle. We don't exist without a God who creates us. We don't breathe without the breath he places in our lungs. We can't comprehend and make decisions without the brain he has given us. We can't feel, we can't love and care without the heart and soul he has placed inside of us. We can't navigate through this journey called life without the wisdom that comes from him. We can't endure suffering without a God who gives us hope of a brighter tomorrow and a promise that he has a plan and purpose for everything and everyone. We can't truly heal unless there is a God 
who can heal us. Yes, all of life is more than we can handle. But are you ready for the good news? Like, Cole, you've been building us up. But it is not more than God can handle through us, okay? God will give you more than you can handle, but here's the good news. Listen to this. God won't give you more than he can handle through you. Does that make sense? Are you tracking? So where this moment is and why Satan is so good at this lie that he has been given to us over and over and over again is what this lie does. If God won't give you, 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 or me, 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 more than I can handle, what that does immediately is it gets our eyes focused on ourself. Does that make sense? You're in a moment where you may come to the end of yourself and Satan sneaks in. He's like, they're about to look to God. Let me get them to look back at their self because as long as they put their faith in themselves, they will never put their faith truly in me. And that is the precise moment. For those of you who have never believed in Jesus, that is the precise moment where you do come to him and believe in him because you're at the end of yourself. You've seen, if you'll be honest with yourself, you can maybe come up with some decent things, but there is nothing greater than the purpose that you can find in worshiping your creator and finding your identity in him. And it's the exact moment for those of you that are following Christ and say that you love Jesus and you're going through what is honestly an ordinary amount of life's stuff, but where you feel, man, I'm not sure I can do this. That's the exact moment where you're exactly right, (laughs) You, you nailed it. Is that not encouraging? Like, I, I don't feel like I could get to talk to every single person in this room individually for a long period of time, but every single person that I talk to feels pretty much, for the majority part, fairly overwhelmed with life. Like, I don't know. That's the common sentiment that I hear when I ask about class workload, when I ask about life. Can I get like a nod? I guess, okay, is that, is that fair? Look at how God can change that narrative. Is that not so cool? That's exactly what you need to say. (laughs) Because in that moment, God wants to say, yes, yes, you can't, but I can handle all things through you. So I'm gonna have the band come up. A really good question that we need to ask. If that's true, And I believe that it is, and I sure hope that you do. God won't give us more than he can handle through us. Is we need to ask then as we close, for you note takers, I hope you're gonna love this. (laughs) What does it look like then? What does it look like to allow God to work through us? What does it look like? I don't think it would be enough to just be like, All right, thanks God, you're gonna work through me and not know how to actually do that. So for you note takers, the first point is from Romans chapter five. If I can find it, I should have marked my spot. Romans chapter five says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. This is verse three knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does it look like to allow God to work through me? First, we trust the end product 
of faithful suffering. We trust the end product of faithful suffering. That can be a lot of jibber-jabber to you, so let me just get right down to it. When we read this, this is in the context, verse one, Paul says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying is that ultimately, Jesus has taken care of it. Like, you're good, your eternity is sealed, you should have an eternal hope in Christ Jesus. But there's this thing called life, and in life, there's called suffering, but there's a way that you can do it faithfully. And you rejoice in your sufferings, not because you're weird and you like pain, but because suffering produces what? Say it loud. Endurance, say endurance. That's right. Endurance produces what? Character, say character. And character produces a word that starts with H and ends with hope. Hope. Character produces hope. And why is that? Why is that the formula? It's because when you see, when you go through hard things, the suffering that you're going through, and you choose to endure, what that character is, is you becoming more like Christ through that suffering. It's God using your difficulty as a vehicle to make you more like Jesus and to show you that he is greater. Y'all tracking? This is the formula. And what that does is you have an eternal hope, but you're even more hopeful in that because you're like, oh my gosh, literally. Sorry guys, didn't say your name in vain. But like, this actually works. I'm doing it. I'm being faithful. So what does it look like to allow God to work through me? Trust the end product of faithful suffering. The second is know where the power comes from. And this is in verse five of of Romans five. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When I say know where the power comes from, I'm talking about for every believer, the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, he puts, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. You're like, I don't ever feel it. He's not always about the touchy-feely and the hype. He wants to dwell in you, to comfort you, to guide you. When that moment you want to look at that stuff on the internet, when you want to judge that person, when you want to be bitter and hold a grudge and talk about someone behind their back, he wants to be there to gently and slowly convict. He wants to empower you in that suffering that you're going through. And it says God gave you as a gift of love. So you got to know where the power comes from when you're wanting to, okay, God, what does this look like for you to handle more than I can handle through me? Trust the end product of faithful suffering. Know where the power comes from. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, a passage that we covered last semester, but I would be remiss if we didn't look at it again. 2 Corinthians 12, 10, if your boy can find it. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. The point is, is that we need to look for his strength in our weakness. We need to look for his strength in our weakness. Listen to this. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. So the idea is look for his strength in your weakness. That moment you're tempted to feel discouraged. Maybe I'm not a real Christian. Maybe I'm not the real thing. Maybe I am what my abusive father and mother told me that I would always amount to be. No, you are in Christ. He has rigged this whole thing to the moment that you feel weak. There his Holy Spirit is to remind you, but my power 
can be best displayed. Like you want to experience God at work and powerful? You go home tonight and you name to him the number one thing in your life that is eating your life and destroying you. And you say, God, I can't do it anymore. I need you to do it. And you watch the power of God come into your life. That's what it looks like. Look for his strength in your weakness. And then finally, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So wrapping it up, the last thing we need to do, how do we posture ourselves? What does it look like to allow God to work through us? We identify, we celebrate, and we remember God moments in our life. We identify, we celebrate, and we remember God moments in our life. You're like, what does that mean? To identify it is, is to be in that moment and say, okay, I think this is the moment. I'm identifying this is the moment where God shows me how he fills this chasm in between where I am and where I want to be, between where I know I should be and where I am. This is the moment I'm going to identify this and pray to God, God, this is where I need you to move. Then you celebrate. And it may take some time. It may take days. It will for sure take days months and years and then you look back and you see what you've gone through and you see how God has worked in the way that he told you he would and you celebrate it you praise him you thank him for it don't just get through a hard season of life for those of you that are about to graduate don't just get that job that you've been stressed for and move on take time and say thank you God thank you for providing celebrate that and then as you go through all of your life you know what we do we easily forget right we're like, we're like Dory and Finding Nemo. Like we forget every time God does something good. Satan's a good liar. He loves to get in our memory. The last thing is we remember too the God moments in your life. When you feel low, you're like, where is God? Where is he right now? You remember the things that you formally identified and celebrated and trust that he is that same God who can do now what he did then. Does that make sense? Identify, celebrate, and remember God moments in your life. What I want you to do is bow your head, close your eyes. Thank you guys for hanging with us tonight. shared, hey, this is what I've been going on with, I've had in my life, not to talk about Cole, but so that maybe, maybe you might see that it's okay to not be okay, that maybe you might see that it's okay to be like, I can't handle all of this, that's why I shared that with you, I want to invite the mercy and grace of God into your life, and so what I want you to do now with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to come up or raise any hands what that thing is there is a mistake that you've made there is a sin that you've committed and it has had lasting consequences there's a relationship that you've been in there's abuse that you've experienced there's disappointments that you've faced there's unknown futures that you have before you there's people in this room that you haven't made amends with fill in the blank you have
have more than you can handle, and so do I. And God wants to come into our life and handle all of it. Not only handle it, but make beautiful things out of our dust out of what we're experiencing now and work in us and make us more like Jesus. And so what I want you to do, I know that you know what it is in the quietness of your heart. I want you to name that quietly to God and just, just say it. Just you don't, have to, you don't have to say it out loud, but I just name it to God. God, this is the thing that is more than I can handle. These are the things that are more than I can handle. Can you do that just in the quietness? Just say it to God for a few seconds. Just give you that, that time. ask God in your mercy. I'm going to pray on your behalf. God, this may be a long journey for what this looks like, but I want you to pray with me quietly to yourself. God, whatever the things are I just said to you, God, I need you to step into those places. I need you to work through things. I'm at the end of myself. I'm done looking at me and for me trying to get through this on my own. I want you to come into this space and change my life. God, I'm having trouble even trusting that you're a good God because of what I've been going through. God, step into that doubt. Step into the doubt that, that some of you are having trouble that God even exists. God, step into that doubt and help me and show me that you're real and that you're good and that you're worthy. Give me a few moments to just pray to God. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.